I'm Julianne Pepitone, and this is The Year Ahead, Innovation for All, a custom podcast from Fastco Works and Capital One. In this series, we'll hear from industry leaders about how companies can focus on their core values and develop more authentic mission statements. Today's episode, making a connection with customers. Joining me is Sanjeev Yajnik, President of Financial Services at Capital One. Sanjeev, thanks for being here. Hey, it was wonderful to be here. Thank you. Let's talk about the challenge that brands face when they're trying to differentiate themselves. You know, it's understandably tempting for companies to just focus on offering the lowest price out there because, you know, we've had years of easy comparison shopping online, the recent economic challenges fueled by the pandemic, and just lots of other factors. But at the same time, customers have really made it clear that brands need more than just price as a value proposition, that the value they should be focusing on is their core values, their mission. Why is that so crucial? You know, Julian, I think that it's really important for companies to approach the customer with a very clear mindset. And so in many ways, I like to move away from business jargon and just go the common sense route. Think about someone in your family who you really care very deeply about, and they need some service or some problem that they're trying to solve and they're looking for someone to solve it for them or they're looking for a service. And what would we do for them? It's abstract and there's a distance there with the processes and this is the way we do things, but because it sounds like a simple concept, you know, kind of treat others how you'd want to be treated, treat the customer the way you treat your mother, but it, it can be easy to forget that. Yes. And so if you just think about that way, think about someone you really care about and think about the way in which you want to solve their problem. It has to be done at a fair price, but there's so many other things that need to get done to be able to help them and to serve them. So I'll give you a very simple example. You know, in one of our businesses, which is auto, one could say, you know, your business is auto finance. You're providing auto finance for customers. We don't see it that way. And I'll tell you why. Buying a car is such a fundamental and such an important thing for all of America. And I'll give you some examples. For low-income families, the difference between having a car and not having a car, having a car a person has two times the probability of finding a job, four times the probability of keeping the job. And actually, it has been found that people with a car on average can earn up to four times as much as a person who does not have a car. And then if you just extend that even further, low-income families that can afford a car can afford to live in better neighborhoods and safer neighborhoods because they can commute to their work. And so the thing that we do is incredibly important. And by the way, most of America can't just go out there, choose a car they want and just buy it. Financing is such an important part of the entire buying process. And the way we think about our role is we are enabling people to lead better lives all around by the work that we do. And that's the orientation we had when we created our Navigator products, Auto Navigator 
And basically what that allows customers to do is with no obligation, figure out the car that is the best for their family. Is it safe? Is it good? Am I getting a good deal on it? Uh, is the dealer a high quality person, you know, a dealership? And then finally, having a pre-qualification of what they would pay for it in a dealership so there are no surprises. And when they go into a dealership, they can change their mind. The dealer can change their mind and they may get a, even a better deal, but they're going in with confidence. And so if I want my family member going in to buy a car, I would want them to use Auto Navigator. I think that's such an evocative example. You know, as you said, it's easy to think about auto financing as, you know, it's a vehicle. Like it's just about a vehicle. And I think for those of us who are privileged enough to have easy access to a car, you hop in the car, you go to work, no big deal. But for people who don't have that, you know, you can see how depending on a bus route and then it snows or the train breaks down, you know, depending on public transportation or a car that, you know, maybe is really old and breaks down, you can see how that could just really affect every aspect of your life from personal to professional one of the things that really surprised me when I saw the data from many years ago is that even in cities where the public transport is used very aggressively, think about some of the densest cities that we have in the United States, owning a car can save up to 20 minutes of commute time. And that's the average time, commute time that is saved. And if you just think about the preparation of going and waiting and catching the subway and getting to the next place and so on and so forth. The other thing that I feel very strongly about is the people with the least amount of means have the most need to take care of other things in their lives. So you're talking about really helping customers live better lives. I'm curious, what is that feedback loop like? How do you know when you are truly making that connection with your customers and that your purpose and your mission is resonating with them? I would just start by some of the things that are measured and probably measured by many companies across the spectrum, because you've got to measure some of these things, right? And then hold yourselves accountable. So one of the great measures is the net promoter score. The net promoter score for people who don't are not familiar with it uh, can be in a five scale or a 10 scale. Let's use the five scale. So essentially a, a customer satisfaction score, is that fair to say? It is, but, but there's a difference. The, the top score is definitely recommend. The second score is I'm satisfied. Number three is I'm neutral. And number four and number five are somewhat negative and very negative. And the NPS score is taking the top box score and subtracting from it neutral and the two negatives. So that's like a really harsh kind of a way of scoring. Sure, because even neutral, you're not just getting rid of the bottom scores here. Even neutral is not good enough. If you have 100% of your customers satisfied with your product, your NPS score is a zero. Wow. <laughs> right? If you have 50% of your customers who are completely going to promote you and 60% of your customers who are neutral, you get a negative 10. <sighs> so that's the score. Now, many companies, go ahead and they, they use it and we use it aggressively to figure out what is our score. And oh, by the way, in our Auto Navigator product, for instance, our scores are above 80. Okay, that just gives you an idea. However, we go a step further. You say, how do you know that customers are happy? That's not good enough. 
I also want to know customers who tried to use the product but didn't finally end up using it. So these are the customers who didn't actually use it for whatever reason, they were not satisfied. And we measure the NPS score of those customers. In our business of car ownership, inevitably and you know, tragically, a certain group of customers, we don't want that to happen, but life happens, and they find it difficult to pay for their car, mm-hmm. right? How would we want them to be treated? We are measuring the most vulnerable customers because you will never be as good as your most vulnerable customers, right? And then there is something that we use in our business that we call hinterland. Hinterland, as you know, is the land that you cannot see. It's it's over the horizon. Our job is not to wait for customers to complain and find out what, what we're doing wrong. Our job is to go and explore that hinterland and to seek out places where we just don't know that we are doing, you know, the good thing or not the good thing and seek that out actively. And then asking the very direct question, did we make a difference? Did we do everything possible? Were there asterisks that we are putting on it? Could you give us an example of how you are posing those questions? Um, you, know, you talked about being very direct uh, with those folks in the hinterland. Um, what is that dialogue like? How is that conversation actually happening? It's a very direct conversation. First of all, the conversation of asking the customers for feedback is very simple. Based on the way that we are working together on your issue, would you recommend Capital One to your friends and family? It's a very simple question. Uh, is not, are you satisfied with this? You know, did I solve your problem? Did I answer your questions? It is, are we helping you, you know, achieve what it is that we need to achieve? Like, you know, we need to look at the mirror and basically say, it's not, we are trying to squeeze every last drop out of, no, not that. It's a fair price for an extraordinary service. And can we actually tell ourselves that? Forget about telling the world that or showing that off to other people. And that's the way that, that we need to be oriented. Sounds like everywhere possible, you're really trying to take that extra step that, you know, you mentioned that the net promoter score is, it's a hard enough rubric as it is, um, but you guys are even going to those folks who maybe you missed their business or, you know, weren't as satisfied. You know, can that be sometimes where you get uh, the most interesting lessons? We learn so much from this process. What people are going through can be happening next door to us, to our neighbors, to our own family members. You know, one of the ways I think about things, Julian, is we go to school, right? We educate ourselves. We put ourselves through the grind wheel. We learn so much about the world. What good are we if we don't take our knowledge and use it to do things that are great for our communities and for our customers? You know, Our job is to use our intellect to challenge the market for the sake of the customer. And, you know, one of the things that we learn, it is amazing how much fulfillment we get when we lean in that way and how much fun we have as an entire team when we don't have to say one thing and do another thing, but literally can be good with each other and how uplifting it is for all of us when we come into work and we know that without any asterisks, we are just going to spend the day trying to challenge the market for the sake of the customer. Sanjeev, I'd like to hear about the role that innovation plays in all of this. So tell me about how innovation ties into achieving Capital One's mission. You know, what does that whole innovation journey look like for you guys? 
And how does that connect to what you're delivering to your customers? Julian, we live in unbelievable times. It's probably some of the most exciting times ever. And the reason is that very few people in their lifetime will live through major revolutions, let alone an entire industrial revolution. I mean, you can imagine what all happened then where everything was manual to, you know, machines started helping us and enabling enabling human beings and how complete industries were formed, old industries were shattered. And that's what we are right in the middle of right now. That's quite a strong statement because you're talking about, you know, an industrial revolution that really changed everything about the way that people lived. And you're saying that we're in a similar era or on the cusp of it. This is not the digital revolution that happened in the 80s and 90s and the 2000s. This is a new revolution because of new technology on every front. And I'm talking about hardware and software and you know, that's one revolution that is taking place. The other one is because you don't need a lot of capital to continue to build on the previous learnings, the world's brain power is coming to bear on this revolution. So it is evolving at a rate that is unbelievable. And what I believe is that this is not a time when you think about innovation as how do you incrementally innovate your way there or how do you run across to this new land You know, I've written a couple of articles on this, but I call it making the jump. I believe leaders have to jump, jump from an old paradigm into a new paradigm. And there are three really important things about this new paradigm. One is people sometimes get inhibited by their barriers. They think I'm in this industry. How can I do what I was doing previously, but I I can automate it? That's the wrong way to think about the new industrial revolution. The new revolution has broken down barriers between silos of how we work, industries that we work in, and even you can go across industries. The second problem that people fall into is either they are waiting. They say, no, it doesn't matter to my industry. It's all the tech industries. No, it's changing every industry. And then when when people wake up, then suddenly it becomes a fire drill. We got to do it yesterday. We got to do it, you know. Timing matters a lot. And then finally, how do you execute in this new environment? And you have to execute in a way that is fundamentally different from the way you did it previously. And that needs to get done. So when you talk about how innovation ties into our mission, the mission is helping customers, right? Changing the entire banking for good, but not being inhibited by the way in which it ran previously, but by opening all the doors and making sure we innovate not only on product, but innovate on the way that we work, innovating in the industries that we we compete in, and creating for the customer a very different experience that can help them on every front, not just one front. And so that needs to be our orientation. Fascinating. Sanjeev, thank you so much for your time today. You're very welcome. Thank you for the opportunity. That's all for this episode of The Year Ahead, Innovation for All. World-Changing Ideas will be back with new episodes in a month. This custom series is produced by Fast Coworks in partnership with Capital One. I'm Julianne Pepitone. Our producer is Avery Miles, and our editor is Nicholas Torres.